everybody. Welcome to episode 54 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Mr. Paul Robinson. And today, today, we have a guest. We have a guest. I'm very, I'm very excited about this guest because it's somebody that I've been watching. First of all. Lightly stalking, perhaps, before, maybe a little bit on the bef- uh, YouTubes. Before we introduce. Yes. There's fireworks going off. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> our neighbors are awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there's just no way around it. So if you hear mini explosions, like every couple of seconds right. in the background, we're not in faint. a dangerous neighborhood. It's just the fireworks. <laughs> it's just the fireworks. Yeah. So uh, okay, back to our guest. Sorry. So tell us who you are and a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, my name is Valentina V. Thanks for having me. I am like one of those everything people. I direct. I shoot. I edit. Yeah, your website, it just go like, I feel like it could go on forever. Yes, there are many tabs. I actually had to upgrade my website plan to like an advanced plan <laughs> just to keep up with all the tabs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then um, I believe, I think you might have found me through Aperture, but I'm actually curious to know how you found me. Yeah, it was through Aperture. See, I, I, I love the... I like the Aperture channel, even like back when Ted was on and you, they had like the four minute film schools or you had like the film school stuff. And I always watched those because I love that stuff. And then so um, when Ted left and then you started, I was like, who is this person? First of all, <laughs> let me just uh, and then I went to your site, stalked you a bit. And I was like, oh, I like this. This person's awesome. Because, yeah, I think what little impressed- did you know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was gonna say. Little did you know, I was making those videos of Ted. Oh, see, see. Now we're getting the scoop here. Yeah, but I just, I just remember looking at your site and thinking, like, this person just is like an artist. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, like you just like creating things and you know, uh, capturing images, moving or still, and uh, working with lighting. And plus. You know, you're, you, got, you got like the host thing going on with Aperture and you just have your shit together and I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I um, I do love creating images. Recently, I've sort of like moved from just creating anything to creating things that matter. Yeah, that was the one thing I was going to say is that um, I think it was through your your Prince AE series. A lot of that mm-hmm. stuff was very like, you no, know, there, there was a really important message there. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I started doing that. I, I sort of switched from from like doing just beauty related things to things that actually can maybe help people at some point. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, from the BTS, I see that you use the Ursa Mini Pro, so I'm, you know, that got you into my favor. <laughs> We're <real> sold. <laughs> oh yeah, is that your is that your camera of yeah, choice? Yeah, that's our weapon yeah, of choice. That's our current weapon now. So it's a good mixture of what we can afford and like a, a pretty good image. So. I'm happy with it. Nice, nice. Yeah, my uh, the the DP I work with that's his camera. So yeah. So I have a lot of questions about you know the work navigating all the various like when you're directing and working with the DP or when you're DP working with directing all that stuff. But I want to know like how this all started for you. I'm always so like I just I love hearing about people's like origin story, if you will. Um, it's actually a pretty good one. I. <laughs> I'm from Kazakhstan originally. Um, oh, really? I was not born in the United States. Yeah. So um, I came to the United States when I was seven. Okay. And on the plane, like in Kazakhstan, we didn't really have movies. We had like one black and white channel that showed news most of the time and had like one kid's show at the end of the day. So um, the first time I saw movies was on the plane from oh. Kazakhstan to the United States. And the movie that was playing was The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> and 
I don't remember this, but my mom tells it that I turned to her and I said, how did they do that? And my mom's like, what? I'm like, it's the same girl playing two roles. And I mean, I didn't speak English. I didn't understand what was going on. And my mom was like, no, it, they're twins. Like, that's the point of the story. I'm like, no, no, no. This is the same girl. Her, <laughs> I'm like, look at her teeth pattern. It's the same oh person. Like, it, if it was a twin, they would have different teeth. And my mom's like, you know what? You're right. And then ever since then, I, I've been like obsessed with movies because I was like, how, how did they do that? <laughs> what is that's this yeah. trickery? Yeah. <laughs> what is this trickery? That's really so that's cool. That's how it started. Like, basically, as soon as I saw my first movie, I was hooked. Right. So you you owe your career to Lindsay Lohan in some small way. Mm, yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, no, not really. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. That's so interesting right. that at, at that age, you would think to look at someone's teeth pattern to yeah to think about if they're twins or it's the same person or not that's so crazy yeah i've always i always love learning and and investigating and seeing new things maybe it's the only child in me but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then you probably just started making films with your friends and then working your way yeah, up yeah. from there my my dad had like an old camcorder like old camcorder that i just started playing around with and then in high school I started making little documentaries. I remember I like made a doc- like a small documentary about how much our class hated our class color. And I, <laughs> I brought it in front of student council and uh, everyone was very annoyed with me. But the administration did change our class color after that. And I think that was oh, the first see? time I was like, wow, wow, movies have an like I can have an impact just by interviewing a few students, talking about how orange is the color of traffic cones and prison uniforms. They got changed. <laughs> oh. So and then I studied at UCLA. When you moved to the United States, did you move right to LA or? I moved to you know the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, and then I was I was uh, very academic. I was the valedictorian of my school. I was um, getting APs and just like A's across the board. And I was actually terrified that my parents wouldn't let me go to LA because. <laughs> You know, it's only child and mm-hmm. she's going to go study art and be a filmmaker. And that's so out of left field, at least for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they once I got my acceptance letter and I started crying um, <laughs> of 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 grief and my dad was like, what's wrong? I'm like, well, I got I got accepted, but you won't you won't let me go. And he he let me go. He was like, well, if oh. she's crying about it, yeah. I'll let her go. <laughs> yeah, fine. Tears work every time. Yep. Yep. Good. Good strategy. (laughs) So I'm interested to, you know, now that you're out of school, obviously, and you've been doing this professionally for a while, how instrumental do you feel school was for your career? College specifically? Yeah. There is the debate of whether film school is worth it or not. And in your experience, is it something that you felt was helpful to you? Or is it something that you feel like maybe you probably would still end up where you are without it? Maybe? You know, I think film school is 100% not worth it, which is why I studied design Oh, okay. Um, I, I it, at UCLA, the way the film school works, or at least the way it used to work, is you get in only in your third year. So you have to take two years of general ed, and mm. then two years of film school. And I did not want to go into debt. Um, I did not want to take out any loans, and I had a scholarship for three years. So their design school, uh, the way that I worked it out was if I did enough uh, work during the summers, if I did enough extra 
you know, credits and everything, I could graduate in three years. So that's what I ended up doing. I went to their design program Mm -hmm. and I graduated in three years. And I think it was actually more useful than the film program because Mm -hmm. their film program was theoretical. Um, There's a lot of talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, the history of film and what, you know, what mise-en-scene is and all this stuff. And I got a very um, practical education from instead of film school being in the film club. Right. I was the creative director of UCLA's film club. So while the film school kids were reading books, I was executive producing four short films a year. And design is like such a great all around thing because, uh, you know, it helps with color theory and composition. And because my day job, I do a lot of design work too. And I feel like it's so helpful for me when I'm thinking about lighting a scene and playing with color if I want to or whatever. I think it's just a great all around thing to have. Yeah. Plus, when you have no money and you have to build your own websites and posters and crap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I can't tell you how much my design education helps me every single day when I'm making films. But I would also say that, you know, school in itself, college is worth it. Um, because of the connections you get. Yeah. Almost every job I've had since has been a connection that I've somehow gotten through being at UCLA. Mm-hmm. But I would say, you know, the the learning from a film school is just, it's just whatever. I right. actually, um, you know, I, I said my parents were very much academics, right? And they really, really wanted me to get a master's degree. So they sort of forced my hand to apply to um, USC's graduate program for directing. And I did not care. I was like, whatever. So <laughs> I just submitted like whatever I had. I filled out the the form in like one hour. I was like, whatever, just send. And then a couple months later I got in and I was the youngest in the class to oh, have wow. gotten in. And you're like, damn it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I was like faced with that dilemma. I'm like, oh no, now I have to like actually think about this. So what I ended up doing was calling the film school and like literally calling the office and just being like, so I would like to decline my acceptance. (laughs) Psych. I don't want to do it. (laughs) They were like, what? I'm like, yeah, because I I went to their graduate student um, like admit day because, again, I was like, well, I'll I'll give my parents the benefit of the doubt. I'll like go check this out. And, you know, speaking of black magic, like I was I was hanging out, mixing around with the other, you know, admits. And uh, I was like, oh, this was when the black magic Ursa first came out, I think. And I was like, oh, did you hear about the Ursa? Like, what do you think about it? And they're like, what's the Ursa? And I'm like, oh, like, have you read any of the scripts on the blacklist? Like, there's some really good ones this year. They're like, what's the blacklist? blacklist? (laughs) What? I I was like, okay, well, let me talk to the professors. I went to the cinematography professor and I'm like, so like, if I were to, you know, join this program, what kind of things would I be doing in the first year? And they're like, well, in the first year, we, um, we copy movie scenes from old classic black and white movies with super 16 millimeter cameras. And I, I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, I am out. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, I'm shooting with reds over here. I'm yeah. like making my own stuff. Like this seems like really, really not worth getting $300,000 in debt. Yeah. It's like, it reminds me of just like this, like pretentious cliche film existence that people want to hang on to. Cause I, I feel like for me, it's kind of funny when I talk to like film students right away, it's like, let me guess. You love Hitchcock and and Kubrick, right? Let me guess. <laughs> like, right. 
I know, right? I know. Yeah. Like it's like you know, you know. There's just like I don't know that that it just seems like it's more of um, just sort of keeping up with appearances more so than actually learning it. That's the, the one thing that everyone tells us that did go to film school. They're like, yeah, I could have learned that on my own, and I learned more on my own, but. It was worth it for the connections. That's yeah. the only thing it's that a common thread. Yeah. I'll say, you know, that they'll say is like was worth it. But in terms of what you learn, you know, again, just like you know, let's just talk about things. It's like, uh. if you're not in LA or New York or a major film market, then mm-hmm. going to film school is super useful because in LA you can just go on a right. set mm-hmm. and you can learn what you need to learn and you can meet the right people just by being a production assistant. Um, if you're in the middle of the country or in another country, mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to get any sort of professional equipment. I remember I was teaching a workshop in Dubai in February, and I just wanted some LED lights, and I couldn't get them anywhere in Dubai just to teach my students what LED lighting is. Um, I couldn't – and then I had hot lights, but I there were no film gloves that I can – I could rent anywhere in Dubai. It was just oh, wow. so, so difficult to even teach a basic lighting course. Just getting a Best Buy camera and running out with my friends and, and making really, really bad horror films was such a great learning experience. But we run into the problem all the time of connections, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, we don't have any connections, so to speak, like as like most people do. And, you know, yeah. so that's a big struggle for us. But it really doesn't matter because we just, you know, we put our heads down, we make a film and then and then we go. Yeah, it's always so crazy when I, I talk to somebody who's making a film for the first time and they have like an entire crew and I'm like, oh, God. You're so lucky. Oh, you mean so how, you don't how rich edit? Are their parents? Yeah, like yeah. You, you don't edit. At, well, because like they, you know, they're like in film school. So it's like they all just work for each other and they don't have to worry about who's running sound. And yeah. they have someone who actually edits for them. You mean somebody separate does all your color correction? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? That's amazing stuff. Yeah. But you know, those, con- those connections would be great, I guess, you know, obviously, but, um, again, you know, when people go into debt to learn about film theory, it's like, it'd be one okay. thing if our, you know, not to get too political, it'd be one thing if our country can get its act together and like education wasn't something that could hamp, you know, follow you for the rest of your yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. But- that's a whole other issue. I'm not going into debt to learn how Hitchcock did Hitchcock. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just don't care. Right. <laughs> And I'll I'll buy I'll buy connections on Twitter. It's fine. There's There'll be a documentary yeah. somewhere. I'll <laughs> yeah. wait for that. Yeah. yeah, it's totally not worth it um, for for that for that kind of money. And uh, also, it's kind of they teach you old school stuff. Like if you if you look at the professors who are actually teaching, it's like oh, you know they they directed one episode of Days of Our Lives like a million years ago. Yeah. And now they're a film school professor, and they're teaching you how to have a very specific role on set. And from what I found these days is that because I learned how to direct, how to DP, how to edit, how to do sound, how to do graphic design, because I have all of these skills, I'm turning down work left and right. I literally cannot keep up with all the work that I am getting offered. Whereas other people are like, no, I totally can. I totally can. I've actually, I've actually started a referrals list. So I have an, a huge database of freelancers. So when, when those, um, when those producers come and ask me, hey, Valentina, do you know someone who can do this and this and that? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, let me let me look in my database. So I have, you know, a huge database and I do this all the time because, yeah, it's like 
um, really hard to find somebody who can do everything. Mm-hmm. And people are constantly looking for that. And a lot of times people are like, well, can can you find me another you? I'm like, no, but I, <laughs> I can find you a shooter that's as good as me and like an editor that's as good as me and yeah. like put them together and they should be fine. Yeah, I feel like that's a huge advantage for me because I didn't have a lot of people around me when I was doing it myself, like having to learn everything on my own. I may not be the best editor or color artist or, you know, DP or director, but you know what? I'm pretty decent at all of them. And so like when there's a good sell, are you good? I'm decent. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm amazing, (laughs) but like, you know, so then when come, hopefully at some point in time, we'll be in a place where we can then bring on someone to edit or to color grade or to whatever. And then, you know, I could relate to that person more and, and be able to express what it is that I want this to look like or whatever, you know? Absolutely. When I'm on set and I'm just the director and I have another DP, they're, they're, they always tell me, they're like, wow, it is so easy working with you because I can just throw out things. Like they can just go like 85 to me and I'll be like, nah, 50. And they're like, cool. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Well, that that was that was one of my, my questions was how is it, you know, being just a director, you know, being a DP yourself, working with another DP, um, it sounds like you kind of have that system down. I'm sure you have, you know, a select people that you like to work with, but, you know, mm-hmm. um, is it ever hard for you to like not to, to give up control of that? No, I don't. I <laughs> just like, like have it. Have it. <laughs> Exactly. No, I, it's such a pleasure working with other DPs because it's like another point of view onto what you want to do. And that communication is the best where you can actually discuss with your DP on like much deeper level, um, what the shot should look like, what the movement should be, what the lighting should be. And I, I think the DPs I work with actually really appreciate that. And, and I do too. And I also understand as someone who has DP'd things for other directors, I understand that um, I don't want to step on a DP's toes. I don't want to micromanage Mm -hmm. them. And I don't want to. I I want their contribution to be felt in the piece. So there's a lot of things that it's, I'm always like, up to you, up to you, whatever you want. Like, like a lot of questions, I just defer to those people. It's the same with whoever I'm working with, whether it's an editor, you know, production designer, um, composer. It's always like I really, really, really try when I'm just the director to make it um, a collaboration as much as possible. Yeah, because you brought those people on for a reason, right? So it's like you want them to be able to. Yeah. Um, I guess it's different if you're kind of a hired gun, you mm-hmm. know, and you, you know, you don't know the people that you're working with. But yeah, if you know the people and you trust them, then yeah, I think that's, that's a huge luxury. It is. I feel like you can always tell when there's um, a smaller set that's that that has that that's not like a one trick pony kind of like thing where everybody's just sort of involved because those sets that like when I've been on a set where it's like the first AC is just the first AC and the DP is just the DP, hair and makeup, that's it. Like, there's no investment in what you're actually filming. They're just like, I'm here to do my job. And uh, when we yell cut, I'm home. I don't care. Like, you know, so it's just, it's just a job at that point. But when you have people that can, you know, I, I always say he's the technical. I'm not, I'm, you know, cliche, cliche. I'm a visionary. You know, <laughs> So I don't, I don't edit, but I know when something's not edited well, I guess, you know, as I can, you know, watch something and say this, I don't like this here and this thing. So he'll do a rough cut and we sit and I don't know how to fix it, but I'll tell you what I need fixed. You know, it's just like, this doesn't look right here yeah. or the lighting is really like, 
there's way too many shadows here. I don't like the shadow, whatever. And we can bounce off of and I'll say, one another. That's my vision, that, darling. Leave it. <laughs> you know? uh, but usually, you know, I'll hear him like huffing and puffing because, you know, he's directed it. He's the DP. Now he's editing. He's doing the color correction. And he starts to get frustrated. And, you know, we'll sit there and I'll go, oh, this. And he's like, I, I had a feeling that that was wrong, but I've just been doing this for so long and editing this for so yeah. long that I can't even tell anymore. Yeah, so he's like, fresh yeah, he's always like, come here. Like, what's wrong with this scene? And I'm like, oh, it's this and this. He's like, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. it's so important to show people, not not just people in the film industry, but just everyone, anyone, like your mom, your grandma, like, because that's the audience who's going to watch it eventually. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, I don't understand why this character staring into space for five seconds and you want to be like, but it's the existential crisis. <laughs> and they're like, nope, it doesn't work. No. Speaking to that a little bit, I guess, do you have like a, a different approach when it comes to, I don't want to say a personal project, but a project that's more from your heart, like that you've written and, you know, a more narrative structured one that you want to do versus something that's like more corporate or that you may be hired on to do? It's it's interesting because I'm sort of in the in-between niche where I don't take a lot of super corporate work and I only mm-hmm. take projects from producers and then people that I do care about. And I I know that this sounds like, oh, well, I wish I could do, I wish everybody could do that. But I, I've been doing this for over a decade. I've done a lot of really shit projects. Yeah, yeah. you've worked hard to get yeah. to where you can say, I don't want to do that. No <laughs> explanation exactly. to anybody. Yeah. So, so at this point, it's like every project I do is something that I really care about. And um, that has its own problems. Because I care, I often do a lot more work than I'm actually being paid to do. I mm-hmm. put in a lot more effort. Um, I... I try to make everything absolutely perfect because it's almost like I'm considering that every single project is a project that's like a reflection of me, a reflection of who I am as an artist. I don't want to do anything that's just phoned in. And that's uh, that, you know, that causes me to lose sleep. That causes me to lose you know, friendships to to miss out on time with my family. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. if it was just like a okay, I'm just coming in to do this to do rotoscoping. Like I would mm-hmm. never. Ugh. I would. Never. <laughs> <laughs> on the the financing part of it, I mean, it's all about value, right? Because I've I've taken plenty of jobs where this is way well below my my quote unquote rate, right? So, but I, I'm invested in this project. I think it's really cool. So that value of what it's worth to me to be able to work on that and to be able to create something like that is worth all that extra time I'm putting into it. Yeah, it's not it's not just like value to you. It's also value to your portfolio. And sometimes yes. it's like, wow, this project would look amazing because I don't have anything like it. And that's the direction mm-hmm. I want to go in. But um, it pays shit. And you take, yeah. it, you, you take it anyway because that's something that's going to, you know, elevate you in the end. Yeah. I'm lucky. Usually, usually I'm the one who's like, because he'll just he's like, this is a cool job. And I took it. I'm like, OK, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> OK. Let's just think about this because we still have bills to pay. Like we can't do this all the time. The only job that you took that I didn't even care about the pay was when you did Lucasfilms. I was like, I don't even right. care if they pay you. That's good for your portfolio. You work right. for Lucasfilms. Like doesn't yeah. matter. Um, but I do the, you know, that 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 same uh, idea of like if I'm not in, invested in this, if this is not something I'm passionate about, I don't want to do it. That's where I'm at with acting. And I feel like that sounds snooty when people are like, you know, well, you know, actors, you got to take a job. I'm like, I don't. I mean, I have my day job that pays our bills, so I can go. If I'm embarrassed 
to tell anyone I'm in that role. I shouldn't be taking yeah. that role. And so I don't. You know? yeah. This sounds like uh, do our it. philosophies are all the same. It's it's one for the meal, one for the real. That's, that's yes. how we know. Yes. At my last job, I did a lot more corporate work for um, video and stuff. But my current job is mainly just graphics. So anything that I shoot is strictly, you know, what we're filming. You know, if I'm shooting lighting tests or just shooting something for the weekend for fun or whatever. So that has, you know, it's pluses and it's minuses. You know, there's, I'm not shooting as much as I want, but everything I'm shooting is exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. So That sounds great. You know, it's, a, it's a give and take, yeah. But I want more time. We all, we all want more time <laughs> yeah. to work on all this stuff. Well, it's all about picking and choosing what you actually care about and what you're willing to invest your time into. And yeah, I've, I've turned down so many things that I really wanted to do, um, not because I didn't care about them, but because I was already doing another project that I really yeah. cared mm-hmm. about. Yep. You booked that gig and then all of a sudden something comes along and you're like, oh, <laughs> I really wanted that. Especially if it's travel related. Last week, somebody was like, you want to come to Germany? They were like, you want to come to yeah. Germany? Sure. I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could. I'm editing this TV show right now. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you're currently working on? Yeah, I'm working on a 14 episode series right now. Um, it's called Moments in Time with Aliyah Licardi. Aliyah is a friend of mine, but he also happens to be a very well-known landscape photographer. And uh, that was what I was doing with all the travel a few months back. I We went to seven different countries. Um, we shot like 15 terabytes of footage. And Jeez. now I'm editing all that into digestible Yay. 15 <laughs> to 20 minute episodes. And you just got a new computer too. I just, I bit the bullet, you guys. I went PC. How's that going? You know what? I am. Oh, you were on Mac before this. I was on Mac before this. I'm compiling oh. a list of things I don't like about it. <laughs> so are you going to jump back? You're going to jump back? No. And, and the, no. I'm, she said no. no. I, I'm, I'm unfortunately priced out. Like, I can't believe that that, yeah, I hear that. that Mac Pro I hear that. is six grand for what, 32 gigabytes of RAM? I can't. Yeah. It's insulting. Yeah. He went through years of like, you know, he was Mac, he was Mac, he was Mac. And then finally when he went like, I just can't do it anymore. I was like, well, it must have gotten bad for you to jump off and now you're building a PC. Okay. You know, but it was way more affordable. You know, it's like, you know, it has its its hang ups, obviously. But, you know, I try to look at it as just an application launcher and just do what I do what I do what I got to do. But, you know, I can't deny the speed. Uh, I still have my Mac laptop, so at least I have that. I'm hanging on to it. (laughs) I also can't deny the speed. I mean, I've been working with it for two days and I get so much done. The way that I I like to analogize it is imagine you're a writer and after you type each keystroke, you have to wait one second before you can type the next one. Yeah, that would annoy me. That was so frustrating to me. That's how I was editing before this. And now it's like Mm. I can edit at the speed of thought, which is amazing. Yeah, I don't shoot anything really large. It's just like four and a half K, but like, uh, you know, not having to make proxies and I could just dump it all in there, start editing. I I just recently jumped onto Resolve and started editing in there from Premiere which I like a lot. I love just being able to just edit. I don't have to worry yeah. about anything else. I could just sit and edit and just be, you know. Yeah, well, if you think about I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm cutting down like three plus hours of interview footage uh, into a 15-minute digestible every single week. And mm. it's like I don't have time to mess around with proxies, especially because Premiere's uh, proxy workflow is all messed up when it comes to slow-mo footage. So, mm. and I have a lot of oh, slow-mo footage in it. Yeah, you can't, yeah. Um, you can't uh, interpolate 
a proxy and then link it back to the interpolated clip on Premiere. So there's a, it just doesn't work. And I shot a, lo- a lot of what I shot on the Fujifilm X-T3 was okay. 4K60. So unfortunately, the workflow is just does not work. You must suffer. Yeah. <laughs> How do you like that camera? It's nice. I yeah. uh, compared to like something like the Sony a7S II, um, which is twice its price, the X-T3 can do 4K60. It can also do, you know, log mode. Um, its battery lasts so much longer than the Sony cameras. Oh, so, wow. yeah, I mean, it's for half the price of a Sony camera, it's pretty great. The only kind of downside to it is, um, I believe it's, AP- yeah, it's an APS-C sensor. And I'm used to full frame, so it doesn't do as well in low light, um, and it's a little bit cropped in for what I'm used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a. If you ask me about gear, I'm just gonna go. Don't even get me started because I can just keep going and going. And <laughs> I'll going. just take my headphones off and leave the room because you guys can just yeah. go crazy. <laughs> yeah, I love gear. Like I'm very much of this mindset of like, gear doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, your camera really doesn't matter oh, to me. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I went through a phase of like, oh, I want a great camera, and then eventually I was like, you know, what? I don't, even, I don't really care what camera is. But I, st- there's still, there's still like the techie part of me that loves new stuff, exactly, and loves to like play with stuff and like all that stuff. So <laughs> it's super. Uh, yeah, I love reading about it and testing it out and playing with it and all that stuff. Exactly. So yeah. Fun. When they asked me, um, hey, we have to shoot this with Fujifilm cameras. Do you mind? And I was like no does it have i don't know aperture control does it have iso because if it has those two things i'm i'm cool like i'm good to go i could shoot this on an iphone (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's super fun so how did aperture come along um i was so like i said i was actually aperture's second employee back in the day oh wow yeah so i um, well, their second U.S. employee. It's a Chinese mm. company, but when they right, opened right. their U.S. branch, Ted was the first one. So he's the president and still is the president. And um, I was the creative content director. So I created all the videos for it, including 4-Minute Film School and all of the commercials for everything and wow. all the visuals. And um, Ted asked me, I mean, we knew each other. We've known each other since 2010. So we're old buds and he knew that I really liked gear. So he's like, Hey, do you want to do this at the, at the same time, like the same month, um, my previous job was ending. So he knew that. And he was like, well, do you want a job? I'm like, yes. Cause at the time I thought that that's what people needed to do is have jobs. Right. <laughs> I'm like, well, if I don't have a job, then that means I'm unemployed. Uh, that's not great. I should definitely have a job. So I was like, yeah, of course, Ted, I'll do it. And then after you know, about half a year of that, I was, I quit, um, even though I still love the company and Ted's amazing. I was like, this is, I'm getting offers left and right to like work for huge brands, to fly out here and there. And I, I have yeah. to turn every single person down because of this is a full-time situation. So I quit and I went freelance. And so I guess I've officially been unemployed for over two years now and I'm feeling great. <laughs> I'm feeling great. Successfully about it. unemployed. Successfully <laughs> unemployed. Self-employed actually I started my own production company but um yeah and then a couple couple months ago not a couple months ago at the beginning of this year Ted uh we went to lunch and he just he's like hey I'm stepping down as the host of four minute film school I would love for you to be the new host and the first thing I said was absolutely not um 
<laughs> like definitely not that sounds like a terrible idea what why ever would you want that um I'm just not like an on-camera person mm-hmm. and like why would you want that and he's like I literally don't know a single other person that is has as much technical knowledge as you and has a good screen presence even though you may not like being on camera you're good at it and I yeah you are you and really I need are. you there and I'm like uh, how much yeah, is this I would gonna never pay think me? that you're uncomfortable I would never think that from your work I, that you know that you wasn't know, something you I'm very self-critical um I ev- join the club from everything <laughs> from everything about like what my hair looks like to what my voice sounds like to um the way I say like every three seconds and I can't wait <laughs> to quit the way it's it's so I don't really watch the episodes much when they come out because I can't stand the, the spoken way- like a true actor you just don't watch your stuff you just do it and I you move on it. that's what I we do. do it so but but um honestly like since like to be completely honest since I've been doing it and I've shot a bunch of episodes um the 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 stuff I've learned from the guest cinematographers has outweighed any you know any of my doubts because mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's just it's legitimately like going to film school the film school that I never you know, went. And yeah. even though I know so much of it, there are still things here and there that throw me for a loop. I'm like, oh, yeah, snap. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, there's so much value in that because, you know, I, I've been, you know, I watched that and Film Ryan, like all those shows, I, I love them. And and to be honest, like a lot of the stuff I kind of know, mm-hmm. but it's always good to see. That's why I love behind the scenes stuff. It's always so good to see how other people work. And there's going to be little things that you may pick up on. Like, oh, I do I do something similar, but I do it. The, oh, that's interesting. I never even thought of that. You know, and it could be someone that has no very little experience or maybe it's someone that has a ton of experience. I think there's just always opportunities to learn. It's always a balancing act, though, with what the content is, because you, the audience is all over the place. There's some people who have been shooting forever who are watching and there's some people who... Yeah. just come into it so it's like how much do i have to explain um what mm-hmm. what you don't see in the behind b- behind the episodes is that it's not just the dp talking it's actually i write the script for for everything they're saying so i go in and uh, i'm i i literally i go on set and i break it down for them because dps mm-hmm. they're not used to teaching so they're yeah. they like set a thing up and then go and then i come in i'm like so why did you place this light here and they're like, right. it looks nice. I'm like, no, that's not that's not why you play. <laughs> Let's talk about the power output. Let's talk about, you know, what kind of modifiers you used. Why that particular cloth and not this particular cloth? I sound like I'm legitimately like a little film school freshman just being like, so what's the difference between a magic cloth and an unbleached muslin? And, yeah. um, <laughs> and well, I- there, there's usually like a light bulb moment in the middle of me like prepping them where they start understanding why I'm asking yeah. these questions. And yeah. then I write like a full script for them. So even though yeah. in the episode, it looks like all I'm doing is, so why did you place this light here? <laughs> it's right. actually a lot more than that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I find that stuff super helpful. Like all the little technical things, like what, what they're using, because I'm not somebody who has um, access to be on bigger sets where they may use a lot of those techniques. So, Knowing what they, you know, whether I, I can or can't do them, knowing how it's done properly allows me to be able to like mm-hmm. DIY that if I need to, oh, right. you know, or, you know, if if I can. Bring uh, it down to our level. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, a lot of the stuff, maybe it's more affordable and I can actually just do it. But I find knowing like all the little technical things about how 
because you don't think about it, right? You look at a, you know, lighting is supposed to be invisible, right? You don't watch something and think about it. So I think like knowing all the little things, oh my God, like I can't believe they had a little punch mm-hmm. light here. I, I just thought that was just from whatever. And uh, I don't know. I just geek out over that stuff all the time. Although we ruin like every show that we watch when we're watching something and we're like, did you see that lighting change? Did you see that? Did you see yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> that? That's always Did you see how it was natural light and then there was obviously a fluorescent light in front of him in the next shot? You know? right. Oh my God, we just watched so Dark and it's beautiful. Yeah. I have so dark not, on Netflix. Oh, oh the cinematography is wow. beautiful. Yeah, is it pretty dark? That's like a film. <laughs> it's it's dark in uh, mood. <laughs> it's a, it's about like it's time traveling. Thing. It's a German mm-hmm. show. It's so good. Yeah, it's a German show. But it's like the first show that um, we saw that legitimately looked like film. It was like right. like a show, but it the cinematography was very much film like. Because even good cinematography in in a series, it still looks like a show. This just looks like a movie that has gone on forever. Yeah. Oh, that was really good. Wow. That sounds awesome. I wish yeah, I could talk beautiful. about more than just lighting on the channel. But since Ted moved on to Indie Mogul and Indie Mogul is actually now part of like the Aperture family, they handle everything that cinematography related that's not lighting. So even mm-hmm. though I personally love geeking out on like jibs and cranes and motion and like all the other stuff that encompasses cinematography for the show specifically – it's just lighting. So it's pretty funny when people are always giving us suggestions like you should make a video about, um, you know, the different types of stabilizers. And I'm like, I wish I could. <laughs> we can. <laughs> well, you know, you know what you can. Just put it on your site. It's fine. Nobody will you start another one. Like yeah. you don't have enough stuff to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the other thing. People are always asking me like, when are you going to open up your own YouTube channel? I'm like, I sleep three hours a night. Right. I know. Seriously. The content that you put out is insane. So what, um, I guess like before we like wrap up, like yeah. what, um, are you working on any like films yourself or something that you're working on personally? Or do you have time to even do that? Currently, no. I have a lot of ideas kicking around. But at the moment, it's it's really hard to take that risk, that investment into making something of my own. So I have mm-hmm. I have a a notebook full of ideas and I'm always trying to do it, but it's, it's almost like I'm always playing catch up with, okay, I need to finish this thing for this client. And then this client wants this thing, um, before like what I'm currently doing, which is this, uh, travel show. Um, right now this travel show is, I'm only, I only have two clients and this is one of them in normal circumstances where I don't have something that's like a long range project. I'm working between anywhere between five and 20 clients at one time so it's always it's always a struggle just to like feed myself (laughs) (laughs) you know but yeah look at the calendar like when was the last time i showered hold on right but yeah in the future hopefully there there's a couple things i mean i'm i'm super super passionate about um the school system in the United States yes. and what, how it's not working for our students. Ugh. And I want to, I made one video about it with Princea that went super viral, but I yes. want to, I, yeah, I, I watched that one. I want to take it further and I want to mm-hmm. actually like provide answers and solutions to this. Um, and I, another subject I'm very passionate about is how social media is completely destroying our self-esteem just across the board. Everyone's self-esteem and yeah. right. and the toxicity that exists just on Instagram specifically. So that's another video that I've made that I've already addressed. I've even written mm-hmm. a blog about this. Um, but I'm going to just continue, you know, fighting that fight because uh, 
you know, I live in LA. I work with so many influencers mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. many of them, they have millions of fans. They look like Michelle fan. Not Michelle fan for this particular one, but yes, there's, there's other influencers that have like millions of fans. They, they look gorgeous. They're just, they have everything and they're sad and mm-hmm. they hate their lives and mm-hmm. they, they're always complaining and the, you're getting tri- you're getting free trips to Bora Bora like every other month like but yeah. they they hate themselves because they're like well I need to hit this like certain follower goal by next month and I'm like not on track or this and this and that and I'm like how how has your self worth yeah. devolved into follower count yeah yeah oh, and yeah, that's that's that. bled that. into acting which just makes me sick yep. because oh, it's yes. like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many years I've been acting. It doesn't matter how who you studied with or how hard you've studied. If someone has more followers than me, they'll get a part over me, even if I'm better for the part, let's say. You know, it's just like, what so I it doesn't say, even matter. What I will say <laughs> is that those people that hire actors for their social media following, you don't want to work with those people anyway. That's true, They're too. They're awful. Yeah. They're awful. If yeah. they don't understand the difference between quality acting and the amount of bots that follow you on the internet, then then they're not worth it. It's the same thing with people, people who, you know, I have a lot of introductory meetings with potential clients. And every single time I ask them, what is your goal? Because that's the number one question that I can weed someone out on. What is your goal? And as soon as they say, oh, I want to get 500,000 followers, or I want this video to get 14 million views, I'm like, Ugh. goodbye. That cannot yeah. be your goal. I cannot work for you. That's yeah. embarrassing to because, even say. Like, yeah, I'm, like yeah. I'm embarrassed for you. That's the, the only goal you have in yeah. your life is to get more followers. Like, and you can lose those followers like that. Yeah. So what does that I, mean? I think, I think most people, most like intelligent people can like kind of see through that because when you're putting on a facade to get followers or whatever, like that's not you. So you're just mm-hmm. manufacturing that content and versus Pretend just image. Be, like this, you know, just we come in here, we come on this podcast and we just talk about stupid crap about film and everything and it's fun for us and then whatever happens happens we just want to have a right. good time that's our right. main goal and so like we could easily like try to manufacture this and stage it out and like try to make it so it's what people want to listen to and get more followers that way but it's like i'd rather do something that's fun mm-hmm. with a thousand followers or listeners yeah. or whatever then do something that i have to like work at to get yeah. like a hundred thousand like it's yeah. just ugh, i can't i can't <laughs> absolutely and i haven't had instagram until just this year i just started on instagram because i've been fighting it for so long <laughs> i did too i think yeah. i got it like two years ago but like everyone's like why aren't you on instagram i was like i don't want to yeah i try to keep mine as as close as uh, closed as but like i'm not i'm not private or anything but i try to keep it as close as possible and you know, follow like my friends and right. people that like I'm interested in. Well, and when stuff, I started, but- I kept saying to him, why is this person following me? I don't know them. He's like, it's not like Facebook. It's not like Facebook. I was like, why Why is some model following me? Get out of here. And I kept like blocking everybody. You know, people yeah. love that when someone follows you. I'm like, don't follow me. I don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't care, you know, about I, I, I'm, I will take followers off right. because I'm just like, who are you? I don't want you looking at my stuff. Yeah. Like block, 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 block. Yeah. If it's like in the film world, I'm like, fine, whatever. But when it's just some random model who's looking for you to follow them back, I'm like, why do you have access to my page? Mm. Like, 
that's the thing I really don't like about Facebook that you can't have like a private, more yeah. of a private setting and just kind of have maybe just film people. Yeah. And, and, you know, if it's not a friend or something like that. But I think like, you know, with, with that whole followers and, and acting and all that stuff, I think it, at my age, I can just go like, I don't give a shit if you like me or not. I'm at that stage right. of my life mm-hmm. where I'm like, you know, I, I had to start writing my roles because I was tired of not existing in my late 30s. It's like, we don't want to see you. Mm-hmm. You're not 20. You're not a mom. So we don't want to know. And I was like, well, then I'm just going to write the roles that I want to be in. Like, that, I'll just do that. But as a young actor coming in with that being sort of the direction that it's going in, they don't really have that confidence yet. And they yeah. think like, oh, I have to get followers. I have to get followers. I mean, it's, and it just sucks. Depends, like you said, what kind of work you want to do. If mm-hmm. you want to, you know, if you want to do uh, indie work that has substance, then don't worry about your followers. It's, but It's really interesting, yeah, because so many people, before I had Instagram, so many people on my sets would be like, oh, like, what's your Instagram? I'll tag you. And I'm like, oh, I don't, right. I don't have one. You can't tag me. And they were like, wait, how do you get any work? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, but but if I tag you, then like people will see and they'll want to yeah, work yeah. with you. And I'm like, trust me, I've worked with <laughs> the biggest companies on the planet. All of their heads of like all of the heads of the companies know who I am. If they want to work yeah. with me, they'll work. with. I already have those connections. It, yeah. it reminds me of like real rich and then perceived rich, mm-hmm. you know, like people who are like uber, uber wealthy but they look, you know, it's mm. like you're like driving a Honda, exactly. but you have millions exactly. of dollars because you don't need the world to know that you have right. that money because you have that money and you don't care. Mm-hmm. But when it's that perceived wealth, it's like I have to buy everything that shows the world mm-hmm. that I'm successful and that I have money. And it's like you don't really well, have as much money it. as you all think. Of the, all of the people who are actually holding the strings, all of the heads of every studio, the producers who are actually mm-hmm. behind the scenes on huge movies, they have like 100 followers. If right. they even have social media. If they, exactly. Right. Right. They're the people who are actually powerful because they don't mm-hmm. need that stuff. And yeah. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to model my life after those people. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, in full disclosure, that <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> but with well, with this podcast, I try to reach out to people like yourself mm-hmm. and other people like to try to gain followers that way, just in terms of um starting like conversations with people narrow narrowly like i just don't want anybody fault you know i just right. i try to focus it on other filmmakers and stuff to start uh, a genuine conversation to be able to reach out to more like a community yeah, yeah. To, to bigger people but I unfortunately think, most people don't use it that, that way for sure but i just yeah i feel like when you don't when you don't care and you're like i just want a thousand followers i'd rather right. you know like i said before i'd rather have a hundred followers that are just filmmakers Versus a thousand that are just random people. I was, I actually, um, we had had um, Jessica Lee Genyi on the show. And like, I was talking to somebody. Oh, sorry. Here, you dropped that name. Let me pick it up for you. No, it's (laughs) stupid ass. We had had her on and somebody said to me, I went to her Instagram and like, she never posts anything. And I went, because she's Jessica Lee Genyi and she doesn't have to. Like, she's getting work and she's confident in what she does. She doesn't have to post on Instagram Every five seconds. She's an amazing DP. That's all you yeah. need to. I didn't, we didn't find her because I was on Instagram. It was because we watched one of her movies and I was like, absolutely. And then like, you know, I, I have to admit, I'm always like, you know, if it's, if it's something that's really good and then it's like, a, it's a, it's a plus. 
when when it's a gal and I'm like yes <laughs> female DP you know and so I was like oh wow I was like cool and then I started looking through stuff and then I was like oh my god we've watched her stuff before and not even realized it and mm-hmm. then automatically became a fan it was so funny I was like I went on Instagram I didn't see any you know she just she posts like random dark photos and it's it's not a lot I was like oh yeah so, she well, doesn't have to. That, that's also yeah. part of, you know, like if, if you're a behind the scenes kind of person, uh, having followers does not help you at all. You can still fully flourish in this industry. And those people that do, do have followers, because I, I go to these conventions, right? And there are certain people, I guess now myself included, but whatever, who are just hosts, <laughs> who are just hosts on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, this was another concern of mine when I took over the Aputure channel. They're just hosts on YouTube. They do reviews of, you know, camera gear. They do, you know, those people I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They, they yep, have filmmaking yep, yep. <laughs> and photography YouTube channels, right? They don't actually work on big stuff. Like they, they don't actually, if you look at their portfolio, it's, it's nothing. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying right. that that's bad. I'm saying what's confusing to me is that those are the people with the followers and not right. someone mm-hmm. like Autumn Eakin, who's another amazing female DP who has like less than a thousand followers. Like that's what's confusing to me. And that was my concern yeah. when starting the Aperture channel. I told Ted, I'm like, listen, you have to work around my schedule because I am a working professional. I'm yeah. I'm mm-hmm. not just going to be doing this. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, which is great, and which is why when I saw, you know, when you started taking over for the film school, um, I, I immediately wanted to know, uh, do, do you have work? Like, what, what, who, who is this person? I want right. to know more about it. They, they seem to know what they're talking about. Is it just for show? And it's obviously not or whatever. It's uh, another reason I, I really love the Film Riot channel because mm-hmm. Ryan Connolly – makes films right exactly. film, he, he does stuff so um right you know, so he has we, he walks we had walk. him on too oh 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 look who's <laughs> dropping names now amazing yeah he's great and uh, it's such a nice guy but like you know people that and that's what i kind of wanted to do here the the actually the origins of this whole thing was to talk about our experiences making films you know we're we're gearing up for a film in the fall so we're going to talk about all of that stuff. But then like talking about all of the stuff that we come across that we didn't expect and the challenges mm-hmm. that we're having and the things that just worked out for us and all that stuff. And I think for me, like, cause as a listener, I love listening to that stuff. I love listening to people's journey to get stuff done. You know, like oh, I said, I'm a the behind best. the scenes nut. So Same. like, I love that stuff. So why not just do it as well? Cause maybe somebody can gain something from that. And if they don't, then that's fine. I can just vent. <laughs> I will say, yeah, since I've been since I've been hosting the show, um, actually, the, the reason I started Instagram is because I was I was I was required to now as like mm. a, a host. Right. Um, right. So now that I I have been uh, I've gotten into some really good conversations on Instagram from other filmmakers who are seeing my stories or who are seeing my posts and they're like, oh, so like, what do you think about this? Blah, 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 or like, what are you? And I'm having like intelligent conversations with other filmmakers in my DMs. And that's mm-hmm. been like a really positive thing and so far and i think because i'm i don't post photos of like myself looking all like you know done up to the (laughs) nines like i'm i'm just posting film related content um there hasn't been any creepos like everyone's just been talking about film and no one's like that's great no one's yeah being weird so i hope that continues Give it time. It's the internet. that that was the (laughs) first that was like the first kind of like disappointing thing that i started to see with um with Instagram when I kind of started 
following more pages that were um, female filmmaker mm-hmm. geared and stuff like that. I felt like, oh, this is awesome. And then every other post was like, oh, look at this female DP literally wearing like a tank top down to here with no bra. And I'm like, okay, so it's here too. All right, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just really was hoping to, but every so often, that's how we have found guests that I've been like, oh, you know, and, you know, been able to find somebody that that does awesome work, but it's having to filter through the excessive nudity and like, yes, let's look. So you have like this rig and like An pasties on, on with, like, no top. like with yeah. your left boob holding the camera up. I'm yeah. like, right. Okay. Oh, forget it. <laughs> just like, yeah. that's always, yeah, it, but it just made me sad. Your profile and it's always like, what, what is this garbage that you're making? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I, there was one that I looked up and I was just, I, I can't shy away from the fact that I can be critical. I think, you know, it's somebody can watch my work. I've, I've had my work torn apart. That's just the business, you know, you either like it or you don't, but yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> it was like this film that oh, it was just like a film that was made. Like it was supposed to look like they were in some cabin or whatever. And it was just like, except it was borderlining on softcore porn. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was getting all this attention. Of course, like the filmmaker in me is like, how did they get all this money? I don't understand. Like you got like a hundred thousand dollars for that. And we're asking for 5,000 and we won't make our goal, you know? Uh, so that, that gets like yeah, kind of sucky, but I then mean, you see stuff that you're like, that's kind of cool. And I read, you know, I'll friend that person yeah. and follow their work. But it's and- the same as the opposite. You'll see something beautiful and you're like, how is this film? Not like, Oh yeah. How does everyone not following this? I think it's like a, a balance. I don't begrudge women who want to, you know, show off their bodies and like do that. It's, it's just, it, the message gets confused when you're also throwing in being a filmmaker on top of that, because it's like, it's not their fault, but viewers have a tendency to focus on the physical aspects of a person rather than Mm -hmm. their accomplishments. So whenever, even on Facebook amongst my personal friends, whenever I post, Mm -hmm. you know, a photo of myself with a camera, but I happen to be like, my makeup is done and I'm at an event or something. Everyone always comments only on my appearance and not on the fact that I'm doing this work. So it is a, it's a fine balance because on the other hand, you, you know, I understand people who do want to, get followers and who do want to um, use all the cards at their disposal. And if they have, Mm -hmm. you know, a nice body, I understand the reason that they want to show that off. It's, it's tricky. It's a really tricky subject. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate that you have to, as a woman in the business that you have to go like, okay, realistically, I've got a nice rack, so I got to use it. Like I'm going to get more that way. Uh, so it's like, it is, it's it's pretty sad. Yeah. And like, if I wanted to get more followers, that is, I can 100% go in that direction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then, but then to your point earlier, it's like, those are not followers that you want. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so you want, you want those people that are going to like enter into a conversation with you and actually, actually become friends with you. I've become friends with so many people online over the years, especially Twitter filmmakers, people I admire by just consistently being like tweeting at them with with valuable questions about their work. Yeah. And I feel like and that's a thing that, you know, once we started this doing this podcast that I, I was really shocked how um, <clears throat> op- open a lot of people are to like I'll just reach out to somebody and be like, hey, 
I'd love to just talk shop with you for a half hour about films and all this sort of stuff. And they're like, okay. Yeah. We're like, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Also, I can't believe that. I think filmmakers are generally open because no one talks to them. Everyone just (laughs) talks to the actors, right? Actors, right. 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 And and what we have actors on too. But um, for me, I I love hearing, um, I don't know, I just love. Yeah, but the average actor, like when, you know, I'm, it's like a weird place for me to be on a set where all you're doing is acting. Like, I can't imagine that. I'm just like, and not, not like in a pretentious way, but I'm like, do I, do you care? It. Like, do you care what I think about that scene? Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. You know, like, just like, because I'm used to like, you know, playing out a scene and then jumping behind the camera with him and being like, play mm-hmm. that back. No, you know, I'm like going back and being able to do that. It's so impersonal almost when you're just like, you stand over there, you wait till we call you. Don't even worry about what we're doing right. until we need you. Which is and, I'm, you know, it's like I sit there and I'm just like watching everything, like watching hair and makeup, watching this person, watching this, you know, watching the whole thing go down. I'm like, I feel so useless. <laughs> like, it baffles me that talk shows only invite actors on because it's like the question is always like, what set hijinks did you play on each other? And yeah. it's like, what can they even talk about? If you have the director on or the DP on, they'll be like, right. actually, our lens crapped out on the first scene and we had to like yeah. run and order another one from ShareGrid in like two hours. And we were like, like four hours behind on our first day. And there's so many awesome set stories that filmmakers that can tell. Mm-hmm. that actors have no idea about, like a, just a typical actor, someone who's just an actor, right? right. So I, I'm always like, invite more filmmakers. Come on. That, that's like another yeah, thing. Yeah, because it's just about the about. celebrity of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who you see on there. I, wow. But every so often you'll hear, you'll hear like A-list, A-list actors win an award and they'll say, and I just want to talk about the DP and everyone on set. And that always makes you so excited because I'm like, oh, yeah, they acknowledge oh, yes. their cinematographer because, you know, Everyone's important, of course, right? But you could have given a great performance, but if your cinematography was shit, you know, it's going to take away from that performance. So it's like understand the importance. Stuff, yeah. I'm an actor and I'm a writer, but I'm still also a filmmaker. And when I see beautiful cinematography, I want to give that person credit. Like they, they deserve it. They're mm-hmm. working just as hard as everybody else, if mm-hmm. not more, mm-hmm. setting up shots beforehand. And But I also say this about actors too, you know, where it's like, well, it's just an actor. It's like, but also understand that we're working way before you start shooting. We're memorizing mm-hmm. this whole script. We're, you know, developing characters. Developing characters. And, yeah. Everyone has their thing and it just should be, everyone should be celebrated. I hate that it's just like, who directed this movie and who are the stars in it? Yeah. Right. It's, they, they always think the director is like, and and maybe the 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 studio system is set up that way, but it, it, for good, you know, you know whether it's a great film or a horrible film, it's always right on the director. Hundred percent of it is on the director. Oh, who directed this? Oh, but it doesn't you know, like. There's just so many wheels in in any film, even the bigger budget ones. But like especially like, you know, your your indie films, like your true indie films. Like there's <laughs> true. Very I, angry I know. I'm like I'm air quoting like crazy over here. <laughs> but there's just like I. We're film, like I said, we're filming in the fall, and I'm bringing on somebody to, as like a first AC slash working with me on DP stuff. And that's a big deal for us. We're it's, like, oh my god, we have a first AC. Yeah. So <laughs> like, I'm this really, is amazing. I'm so excited to be able to pick his brain and be like, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. You know, because normally it's just me doing the best that I can, but to have someone else that knows what they're doing to give me feedback and and maybe maybe I won't like it or maybe I'll never thought about it and it's so much better because of it. But just to have that. You know, to your point earlier, just to have that that kind of conversation about what is this scene about? What is this lighting going to do? You know, what are the, what is this composition going to? What is it saying? You know, I don't know. I spoke to Love somebody it. once who 
assumed that directors actually were the camera operators. Like oh, on every movie they watched. Yeah. They were like, wait, so someone else does that? Because I think they probably saw like Tarantino. Sure. You know, and was like, oh, so that's just what. Or and I was Michael like, no, Bay. no, no, no. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, was like, and his gr- green red. And it, like, it just like, I was like baffled by that. I was like, so you think that the director is also always actually filming this too? They're like, yeah, don't they run the camera? I was like, no. <laughs> that's, yeah. There's directors that don't even know anything about lenses at all. They don't even know what things are being filmed on. They're just like, point it over there. You do it. That's your job. And they're like so amazed by that. I was like, yeah, it's a whole other world. There's so many people on set. Yeah. Well, you know, if everyone was fascinated by that, everyone would want to be a filmmaker and then we'd be out of a job. So maybe I'm I'm happy that, yeah. All right, let me edit that out then. (laughs) Boop. (laughs) But I mean, I have to... I mean, and, and to me, like as a director, that's just focusing on the lighting, the composition, the performances, all that stuff. I find using, like, handling the camera, some sometimes to be a bit of a burden. You mm-hmm. know, absolutely. Um, one of the biggest things for our next film is is having someone to pull focus. Mm-hmm. You know, and because I'm trying to composite the shot, pay attention to the performance, pull pull the focus. It's just too much. You know, you get to a certain level, and it's like I can't. You just can't do it. And oh, so man. starting to like piecemeal that stuff out right. and being able to just focus on like, all right, I know you know what you're doing. You just do your job. Exactly. You know what, you know, you know, let me know, you know, in a, I don't mean do your job in like a, you know, like, <laughs> do, your, do job, your job kind of a way, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you, you, you could trust them to, to know and I can just focus on what I need to focus on. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. the best. Oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I was like going through the budgeting and I was like, okay, we can have makeup or we can have a first AC. And even even as an actor, I'm like, I guess I'll look like shit. <laughs> like that's just I'd rather I'd rather have somebody pulling focus and making that job easier than having makeup. It's great. It's but always a given we can't afford it. I, I don't yeah. like it when people are critical of you for not having a certain person on your set because one hundred percent of the time it's because of budget. Like this yes. this travel show that I'm doing, right? I was the sound person. We did not have a sound person. And mm-hmm. everyone that I tell this to who's in the industry was like, I hate it when people don't pay for proper sound. I'm like, yeah, but that's that's how how many thousands of extra dollars to fly exactly. another person to seven countries and put them up and feed them and then pay them? Like mm-hmm. that is an insane amount of money. And like that I'm sorry like there's no sound person sorry about it in an ideal world I would love to hire every single crew of position course. for every single <laughs> yeah. project yeah yeah that's that is 100% our our battle always is balancing out budget yeah. with I'm not cooking needs. on set because I want to. I'm cooking on set because I can't afford a caterer. <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. I would love for that to be somebody else's job. I don't right. want to do it. Work, right? You do yeah, I, yeah, make it work. You got to do what you got to do. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you so much for being on. Thank you for asking me. This was cool. And so I love what, chatting. So what is your Instagram? Yeah, dun, do, you dun. Want, do you want people <laughs> to follow you? I- so I have a chance to purchase uh-huh. the at V Instagram account. It's three oh, letters. V-E-E? Yes. Okay. So I will say this. For now, my Instagram handle is at Valentina.V, but it is subject to change. Right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep it updated, whatever it is on the on the show yeah. notes and all that stuff. Well, thank you very much for being on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me.
Yeah. If there's anything um, else you want to shout out on your website or whatever. Yeah, um, anything. What's the, the travel show that you're working on? Oh, the on? travel show I'm working on is called Moments in Time with Eliah Moments, Lombardi. Oh, that's right. And it's it's on YouTube, but hopefully season two, if we make it that far, will be somewhere else, like a Netflix or a Hulu or whatever. Oh, I, nice. also, I also want to shout out, um, like, just follow more filmmakers. Follow yes. women. Um, hashtag Female Filmmaker Friday is an amazing hashtag full of yeah. awesome females that you can follow. I've, I've started following so many ladies off of that, and I've learned so much from them. So follow more filmmakers, please. Yes, 100%. Indeed. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, bye-bye. Big thanks to Valentina for being on Valentina MV. Yes. That, yeah, that was uh, – I'm so – I was so shocked that she actually came out, which is great. It was very, it was a very. Hey, the worst they could say is no, right? That's right. <laughs> I think it was, it was a very, very fun and like getting into a kind of conversation. Yeah. A lot of fun. We're always, we always dig into things. Yeah. So definitely um, uh, follow her and check her work out because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And her website's really nice too. She does pretty things. Yeah, she does. That is absolutely true. So um, this is a, a bit of a long episode we're going to have, but um, we just wanted to talk about three things that we watched because this was sort of when we went through our 50th, these fireworks. Yeah. Sorry if you've heard them, but. There was that, like at one point, <laughs> it was like, like a, the fi- the it finale. was like, <laughs> at one point, our neighborhood sounded like fucking Gettysburg. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, Seriously. it was like cannons going off. Jeez, it's not the fourth yet. Relax. Relax. Anyhow, um, I wanted to get more into actually reviewing stuff that we've watched, Mm -hmm. just talking about things that we've watched. So uh, we'll talk about Dark Mm because I'm going to, again, I'm going to say I was present and here's the problem. I was not just present for the first season. I watched the first season. Yes. But I totally forgot every goddamn thing that Mm -hmm. happened on that show because I believe it was... Not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before that, yes. that we had seen it. Mm-hmm. Saw it over the holidays or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is cool, cool concept, cinematography on freaking point. And then two, it's an incredibly detailed story. Yeah. So when very, over a year complex. passes, mm-hmm. you're like, what? Yeah. I forgot so much stuff that I couldn't get into the second season, sad yeah. to say. I think though- You're smarter than me though, I the, guess. So you have yeah. <laughs> to follow I, it. Once the third season- it start comes out. I think we'll just binge all three. You know, I'd have, I'd have, yeah. Um, and I think that you know, because I'll forget stuff from the first season. I'll forget stuff from the second season. And I think like I just remember, just like be, Mikhail, Mikhail. Mikhail. <laughs> um, so I think we'll do that uh, because the second season was so good. If you haven't watched this show yet, my suggestion would be wait until the third, the third which I think is the final season, yeah, it is. comes out and just. Pinch that SOB because there is so much information yeah. that you're going to lose and it's so confusing. It's one of the prettiest shows I've ever seen. Yeah. I'd have to say. It's just gorgeous. I it reminds it. me of like Inception if it were about like just solely about time travel. Yeah. In Germany. Yeah, it's a sci-fi time travel. It's very like, like what happened? Did that just yeah. – is this what – But it, really interesting uh, – paradoxes that you deal with the time travel like mm-hmm. there's just one really amazing like really interesting i don't know why i'm like obsessed. is this a spoiler no okay. but i'm obsessed with this with this 
concept of like it's called the bootstrap paradox mm-hmm. and so like it's when if you were Explain. to if you were to find a necklace on the on the beach mm-hmm. and then you go back in time and you put that necklace on the beach so now it's just this loop and that that item never really had an origin mm-hmm. yeah that sort of thing just completely fascinates i'm just like oh it's so cool so there's some of that in there. They got it's a lot of really stuff in there, but um, yeah, you it's pay attention. so good. It's so good. The acting's on point. The the casting, the casting yeah. is amazing. Getting people that you know you're dealing with time travel, so you have older versions of people and younger versions, and I think you know you know. And they're fantastically European about it. It's just about like who's good for the who's part. For they the really part, care about part, like, look like people look like models. You know. Yeah. It's they just, look like what they look like. They look like what they it. look like. Um, so what what I guess you'd rate that an A plus. Like a like a solid A, A minus. I can't yeah. rate it because I, I just I have to wait. I am yeah. it's a top five show of all time for me. I give it an A plus on cinematography, but yeah. you know, in terms of like the sh- the story and stuff, because I, the thing I have is to it's wait. so complex, but they managed to even if like cause some of the complex stuff I got a little lost in mm-hmm. and I had to like kind of read up on it. But it didn't take away from the story, like the emotional story of the what the people are going through. Yeah, still came through. Even though you know? I had no friggin' idea yeah. what was going on, I was still able to be invested in what I did understand yeah. or what I could remember that would make sense yeah. now. That kind so of thing. So that yeah, that yeah. Is, that so is awesome. watch it when the third season comes out. If you haven't already started it, wait till that one comes out. Just watch the whole thing at yeah. once. Uh, so we also um, we also watched a movie called Nancy. Nancy. Nancy and um it's uh it's it was a movie actually we still get Netflix like DVDs like yeah, actually get. Blu-rays as it were <laughs> which I know people find weird but we do and this was this was a, the next movie that came in I totally forgot they even put this on this because I think I have like 300 movies on the queue um and so yeah. this was starting Andrea Riseborough I think her name is Nailed it. She's done a bunch of she's done a bunch of stuff. Uh, nailed it. <laughs> and um, yeah, so the the direct is a director writer, mm-hmm. Christina Cho, I believe her name is, uh, which is always cool. I always love when it's a director writer because I feel like the stories that they just sort of like they're more cohesive. Yeah, because you have you know how you wanted that to look and you know how you intended it to be and blah blah blah. Um, it's also starring uh, Anne Dowd, John Leguizamo, love some Anne Dowd, Steve Buscemi. She's great. Um, uh, so it's, it's, I wouldn't say it was what I expected it to be. Yeah. I, I never th- even heard of it. So I had no expectations. going. I in. remember seeing this trailer like a while back and I thought, oh, that looks interesting because I thought it was something else. Yeah. It's not in a negative way. It's just, I thought that it was something else. And I won't say what I thought it was in case you, you think that's what it is through the trailer. Um, I liked it. I thought it was really good. And, and I enjoyed the behind the scenes cause it was a really intimate set. Yeah. Which I thought was, was really, really cool. cool. The story was very interesting, though, actually. I thought the story was really interesting. Um, yeah. I felt I, like, I don't know what it was. I don't know. I don't know. For me, there was I, something missing. Yeah. I felt like, I usually like these kind of like slice of life, moment in time kind of films. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, this one, just like, it wasn't bad. I didn't regret watching it. I thought it was well made. It sat a little flat. Yeah, but there's. I just felt like it just felt unsatisfying in some way. For me, I felt from, strictly from a story perspective, and that's not to say the story wasn't good or the direction wasn't good or any of that stuff was great. But for me personally, it wasn't something that rang 
I thought it was the editing. There was something about the editing that Mm. like didn't really piece together. And I think for me, the biggest issue and the reason why I didn't love the film was because the first 30 minutes for 30, 35 minutes of that film did not match up with the last half of the film. It was like two different movies, again, that got edited together. Mm-hmm. It was like they were like they were going in one direction and then decided to go in another direction and just kind of were like, make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and not like in a way that you're like, ugh, but it was noticeable. I think, you know, as, as a filmmaker, it's more noticeable. Yeah. And I just was like, this feels like two completely different movies. Even like the lighting scenes, the, the tone and the coloring and everything just seemed different. I thought mm-hmm. I was watching a different movie until like 40 minutes in. And then yeah. I was like, oh, wait, we're watching a whole other movie now. Yeah. Um, and then the other characters were just like gone yeah, yeah. forever. It like, and yeah. it became about these other characters. The lighting was pretty so. good. It was kind of a naturalistic lighting approach. That mm-hmm. was pretty nice. It was filmed not far from us, like yeah. an hour and a half from us up in Liberty. Yeah. Yep. Um, I would give it like a B plus. Yeah, a B. Yeah, B, B, to B, B to plus. B to B minus. So, um, and then the last thing that we, that I, I started watching. Mm-hmm. Um is Catch-22. Right. Which... Is uh, the name of my band. Oh, wow. I just forgot that, actually. Yeah. Back in the... Well, we changed it to Vanishing Point, but it used to be Catch-22. <laughs> okay. So, um, this... I, I had seen the, uh, the, the trailer for this um, recently, actually, and mm-hmm. I went like, when the hell did this come out? Like I had no, I hadn't even heard of it. It was directed by, I think a couple of the episodes were directed by George Clooney, mm-hmm. um, who yep. is also in it. He has a bit of a smaller part in it. Um, and there's a couple writers, um, Luke Davies, um, Joseph Heller, and is it David Michaud? I think I Michaud. Uh, anyhow, uh, is, is one of the creators as well. And um, first of all, the writing is phenomenal That's on this great. show. I'm not going to lie. Uh, what brought me in was that it stars Christopher Rabbit, Rabbit. Yeah. who is adorbs balls. If you've listened to the show, then you know that I think he's adorable. And Kyle Chandler, who I wouldn't get out of bed for spilling crumbs either. So yeah. I was like, this is a win-win. Yeah. Um, and I like George Clooney being funny. George Clooney's, see, we are different on this. Because George Clooney always plays the funny, but sarcastic character. I feel like this was more of his, like... Oh, brother, we're out there style of comedy. That's exactly what I thought of. Was, yeah. It felt oh. like, oh, brother, we're out there in and the I comedy. I liked him in that. George Clooney. Yeah. He was good in that. He, he doesn't he have a huge part. He didn't, like, I'm not, I was never, like, a big George Clooney fan. I didn't hate him or, like, you know, it's just, like, it is what it is. But I liked I liked his character in this. I just, the, the yeah, the writing is so good on this. And the the tonal shifts that it, that it has to, uh, has to do to accommodate the writing just i don't know how they pull it i off. actually thought that it was gonna i, I thought the coen brothers had something to do with the writing because the 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 comedy oh, yeah was so it's similar very stylized like very that, yeah. yeah um not not like a copy of it it was just just reminded me so much of it and so here i can't oh i need a whole segment just this show it's not what you're thinking it's going to be yeah so like, you go in, and from the first episode, you're like, I thought, oh, I think I, I, I know what like, this is going to yeah. be about. And then it, it, no. Yeah. And because, yeah, it shifts on a dime, but it works, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
it's got you know the cinematography is really nice the you know editing is really nice directing all that stuff's really nice it works really well the writing's outstanding the uh and i will say that the green screen and cg work in this mm-hmm. is really really good mm-hmm. i mean a lot of they, it has a very kind of specific grade grading look to it so that helps a lot but it's still like uh you know, they're flying in planes and, and it's back in yeah. the 40s or whatever. And World War II, yeah. So, but never, there was never, there wasn't one single moment where I was like, that's a green screen. Right, yeah, yeah. I bought every moment of it. It was really well done. Um, and that stuff's hard to do. I have to say that I've never seen a better example of combining comedy in an incredibly serious moment. Yeah. That's a very Without hard thing to do. taking the weight of that moment away. Yeah. That's a yeah. very hard thing to do as a writer and as an actor mm-hmm. to have that timing, to be able to play that character in such a way that you're still acknowledging that you're th- that a devastating event just occurred, yeah. but still delivering a line in such a way that somebody will giggle after something horrible has <laughs> just happened. Yeah. Um, I think you'll, I want to say like episode four. I think, but you have to kind of... Something happens that like, you're like, oh, this is nothing safe here. It's really like jarring. And um, it's just like Christopher Abbott did such a fucking good job. Like if I wasn't already, like I already watch anything that he's in, I will especially like he he's, I think like every other thing that I've seen him in was like, obviously he's a good actor. Um, but this was the first time that I saw him really like carry a role like that. Yeah. And he played the crap out of it. Yeah. Like, that was great. Like I, I'd give, I'd give the dude an award. I thought he did so well with that character. Yeah, he's going to be a big star. So, I think he's going to be like a big indie star though. Yeah. He doesn't strike me as like the big Hollywood, like that he, he's into well, all of that. Offering him a million I know, I get it. For a role. He's, he's in a lot of films. You just don't hear about them. I feel like he could be like a Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Sort of, kind of, yeah. Because Jake Gyllenhaal could be in big movies, but he could also be in small ones. Well, they Chris can, Evans, too. They can all do it. They just don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I highly, highly, highly recommend A plus all the way across the board. That I was I was N-A. sad because I thought yeah. it was I thought there would be at least another couple episodes. And I was like, oh, no, yeah. is that it? And so I don't know if they're I mean, it ended in such a way that. Maybe this is the only and the, the season. Ending, the way what he, what the character the character's arc and where he lands at the end is a perfect example of how they blend comedy and tragedy. Yeah, you know because what he's going through is hysterical, but it's so tragic. Yes. <laughs> like it's crazy. I felt bad laughing at yeah. times because I'm like, this is such a horrible moment, but yeah. it's you know they put this comedic you know spin on it, yeah. and uh, I, I I also feel bad not laughing because it it's deserving of it. Yeah. Just brilliant. Just it so was good. so good. It was so freaking good. And every and even there were other characters, um, actors that I'd I'd never seen. Some of them I hadn't. Major, and major, 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 major was one of the characters who <laughs> he was great. I've never seen this guy before, so I don't know if he uh, just always has this surprise look. But if he <laughs> doesn't, then he he just always had this like face. He oh, yeah. just had this expression on his face that fit the character. So well, maybe that's just his expression. Yeah. I don't know, but it worked either way. Um, and and that's another character that was not like a main main character, mm-hmm. but whenever he was on, he'd steal the scene. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Which is great. 
It's just a sign of a great actor. You don't always have to be the lead or even the supporting. You and can, you don't always have to try to steal a scene to steal no. a scene. You know, you just do your part and that role will speak for itself. Play the, the part. Performance. Play the part well yeah. and and do a good job. And if it's written well, everybody everybody'll shine, man. Yep. Yep. Okay, so the, so it's like eleven o'clock at night now. Um <laughs> I just had to yammer on about Catch Twenty Two. Catch twenty two because fantastic show. Fantastic. Fantastic. And uh I don't know what we have planned for next week. You'll just have to tune in. Tune in to find out. And uh, so shout outs to Steady Geekin, Reality Bomb Comic Cast, um, Not Up for Debate, and to Parlor 109 for mm-hmm. still supporting us and sharing our things and liking our uh, Vital Sign mm-hmm. stuffs. We've gotten, we've, we're, we're almost at the $2,000 mark yeah, on our, our crowdfunding, which is still like way, way below what we need, but still like kind of. Yeah. A, almost where I thought every little bit helps. I thought like worst case scenario will make only this amount, mm-hmm. and we're getting pretty close to it. And I didn't really think we'd get that close. To it. So it's like, see, stay pessimistic, and yeah. you can only you can only be you know pleasantly surprised after that. Yeah. So we just want to like shout out to everyone who has donated since our last shout out to everyone who donated that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we really really appreciate it. We do. We it's do. True. It's true. It is true. Thank you so much for joining us, and have a lovely day. Bye-bye. Bye.